Hello, and welcome to the Three Links Oddcast, your podcast for all things having to do with Odd Fellowship. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome, everybody, to the Three Links Oddcast. I'm one of your hosts, Toby Hansen. I'm another of your hosts, Mike Dominiak. And I'm your other host, Ainsley Heilig, and we are brought to you by our sponsor, Pig and a Pug Bath Stuff. That's right. From the beautiful dew-kissed mountains of Missoula, Montana, Pig and a Pug Bath Stuff. It's the stuff that gets you clean. That's right. And we here at the Three Links Oddcast love cleanliness. In fact, I don't mean to brag, but I've showered several times this week. And nothing makes a shower or a bath more pleasant than quality bath products from Pig and Pug Bath Stuff. The spring collection is almost sold out. They have been selling like hotcakes, like soap-flavored hotcakes. So be sure and grab the last of the spring collection items that are still available because Amanda's about to start cooking up the summer collection, all sorts of great scents and uh oils and things like that for the summer collection so check them out on facebook and etsy remember odd fellows and listeners to this podcast they get the special 24 percent discount thank you 24 at checkout i think you gave them an idea oh yeah. they need to do a flapjack soap oh yes <laughs> that would be good for the fall collection it certainly would uh, a flapjack soap would be perfect with some uh, maple syrup and butter notes in it. Oh, absolutely. Just stay yes. in the shower and not come out. Just as long as it's not sticky. Yeah, you right. don't want to be sticky after a shower. Sticky soap would be bad. I hope you're taking notes on that, Amanda. Sticky soap, bad. Cross that off the list right <laughs> now. Well, we are joined by Brother Jonathan Wedding here from Reno Lodge Number 14 in Reno, Nevada. And Brother Jonathan is going to be telling us about some of the great stuff that is happening in the jurisdiction of Nevada. Now, for those of you listening to this podcast in the eastern part of the United States or Canada, Nevada is a real place. It's that pointy state that's stuck onto the backside of California. Uh, you might have heard of Las Vegas or Reno, perhaps. Well, there's a whole state outside of those cities. And uh, Jonathan is here to tell us about some of the stuff that's going on in Nevada. Welcome, Brother Jonathan. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. Um, yeah, we, we, are, we, we live here in Nevada. There, there, there's a lot of places to be here. <laughs> so to start out with uh give us a little bit of your background uh, who you are what you do and how you wound up becoming an odd fellow so who i am yes it's jonathan wedig um i am uh 28 years old i've been an odd fellow for three years i joined during covid um uh lockdowns uh i am a member of reno 14 like you said uh i have been in uh the odd i've been running through the odd fellow ranks i was uh a chaplain pro tem uh we had a chaplain the year that i joined that he w never made a meeting so they put me in as chaplain for that year and then the next year i was the actual chaplain this year i'm the conductor uh a little bit about me uh i work at a restaurant as a dishwasher while attending school at career college in northern nevada getting an it degree and um yeah 
that's pretty much uh, me in a nutshell right now. So how did you find your way to the odd fellows? Because it's, it's still, even though we get to talk to a lot of people from around the country who say, oh, the odd fellows. Yes. I, I saw it on a, uh, a post online. It was in a Facebook group. I saw it on Instagram. Um, this weird guy just grabbed me off the street and stuffed me into a car. Um, how did you discover Odd Fellowship? So to start off, um, I actually was joining Masons with a brother who uh, his name is Matt Arnold. And Matt uh, asked me one day if I'd be interested in joining the Odd Fellows. I had never heard anything about him. I said no initially. And then uh, he kind of asked me again, and I said, you know what? You've asked me a couple times. I'll give it a shot, see what it's, see what they're like and everything like that. So I went up there. The first night I went up there, I was still a little hesitant to join. Um, and then I got into a conversation with my grandma, who she uh, was um, – she still is alive. She's 90 years old. Um, she uh, she told me about a lot of our family members who had been Masons and Oddfellows at the same time. And I asked her, do you know anything about them? She's like, yeah, your my grand my, my granddad was an Oddfellow. My dad was an Oddfellow. My dad and granddad were Masons. I was like, so there's at least a family lineage there. So I'll go back. I'll, you know, figure it out. And then, um, you know, I just got in there one day and our secretary, Vic Styrer at Reno 14. He uh, made me feel like a welcomed man there that day. Uh, every time I came there, and I uh, I decided that you know these are great group of guys. Why not join them and you know help make a great group of guys uh, a little bit better if uh, if I don't say so. And how have you liked the experience of being an odd fellow since you joined? Uh, I I've actually enjoyed it. I mean, you know, initially I didn't. Uh, understand the structure. And then I started realizing that there was a lot of very uh, good religious structure to it. Um, one of my biggest things that I always kind of jokingly tell people was that I was about three months away from joining the seminary for uh, my religion. And uh, I literally found out that I was like, eh, you know what, I really do like all this religious stuff. I like how also there's that brotherhood aspect to it. And then, you know, or friendship, if we are using the more proper term. Um, and then, uh, you know, I just I, that's what made me, you know, really, really get into it was just all that. And uh, then I got asked to start doing some a couple of things for the Grand Lodge and also our lodge. So I was like, you know what, if they trust me enough to do this stuff, I think I found the right place to, you know, uh, spend a Thursday every uh, every other week. Are you trying to tell us that an Oddfellows Lodge actively recruited, actively was welcoming, and encouraged you to be a member? Is that yeah. what you're going to have us believe? Uh, you, you know, as odd as that might sound, <laughs> odd as that might sound, yes. <laughs> now, what do you know? Maybe that's the secret to getting members, making them welcome. Oh, come on, Mike. That's that's crazy talk. We can't go around asking people if they want to be odd fellows. <laughs> oh, I, we'd get a whole bunch of new people showing up in our lodges and changing things. And we cannot have change. Right. And I bring this up. I mean, it is a bit of a joke, but I bring it up seriously because last week there was a post put up on an odd fellows group on Facebook it was a graphic that said you cannot ask 
to join the odd fellows, or you, you cannot be asked to join the odd fellows. You have to ask us, which is a Masonic rule, not an odd fellow rule. Agreed. Uh, but it got posted by some probably well-meaning but misinformed members of the order. And so you were approached. They did ask you more than once, and then they made you feel welcome. That is the way that we work as an organization. We do not hide behind our barricaded doors and hope that somebody decides to trebuchet themselves up onto the roof to get into our lodge hall. <laughs> well, the trebuchet <laughs> is the preferred siege weapon, after all. <laughs> I mean, you make, it so you make it sound like that, uh, we're, we're in a giant castle where we're, uh, where we're fortified. I mean, we're, we're in these small brick buildings that could probably be taken down with a howitzer. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, why, am I, why am I worrying about getting this, this electric chair, stair lift, repaired when we could just have a lodge trebuchet <laughs> fling all our seniors up to the lodge room very efficiently come on norm it's time to go to lodge strap in <laughs> you know you did bring up an interesting point though uh that you don't ask to that you don't get asked to join the masons i was actually asked to join the masons and also asked to join the odd fellows and I mean, it literally, I, I think that that's one of the similarities, but also a difference that there is, is that most of the people I talk to that are Masons were asked or were, were asking to join. And the odd fellows that I know were being asked to join. And I think that's quite the difference in both organizations is that, you know, the ask is there, but just how is it done? Well, and it's, it actually works out well for Masons to sit back and wait for people to ask to join because the Masons are the best known fraternal order in the world. I mean, there are Masonic lodges everywhere in the world, and you only have to go like three clicks on the internet before you find some sort of uh, lame-brained, crazy Masonic conspiracy theory like the world headquarters being underneath the new airport outside of denver what world headquarters <clears throat> the world headquarters. <laughs> thank you one of you who who understood that and laughed <laughs> so um it it works out well to be a mason and sit back and say nope we're just gonna wait until people show up and ask but Almost nobody knows who the Oddfellows are anymore, uh, despite over 20,000 downloads of this podcast so far. And so we can't just sit back on our laurels because we don't do the kind of ground level marketing that we used to do with the parades and activities in town, things like that anymore. We actually have to go out and tell people that A, Odd Fellowship still exists, and B, it is the place that you want to go for a fraternal experience. So I, I think it's very interesting that you had such a positive experience and that the lodge in Reno is so welcoming to new people coming in. I, I will caveat that we are welcoming, but we are still an all-male lodge, and I don't think that will change for a couple of uh years that's my dad who just walked in if you saw that on the camera ah. hey dad <laughs> yeah no we are uh, it won't probably change with us like we still are an all-male lodge but we do you know literally say if a female wants to join the odd fellows like we typically say if you want to join go down to carson they they're a lot better at uh 
allowing females into the odd fellowship but we also do sponsor our rebecca lodges around us very heavily and that's also where we end up sending them it's like hey join them as well if you want to join us i think that's a very good idea because one of the existential crises for the rebecca's is when we said okay women can be in the odd fellows lodge um, a lot of modern women look at the social traditions of the Rebecca Lodge and go, no, thanks. I want to hang out with the guys. And I can understand why that is, because a lot of the social traditions of the Rebecca degree, um, they're beautiful, but they also come from a much earlier time. And so I think although it may seem exclusionary in some ways, it's really helpful that you guys are supporting your Rebecca's and saying, Hey, go check out this other group. They also need members. And you as someone who's really interested and energetic would be a great benefit to the Rebecca's. Uh, much agreed. I mean, you know, one of the, I mean, like you probably, like I've told, like I emailed all you and probably you sent that email to everybody else. One of the things that I got asked to do by the, our, uh, Grand Lodge was to set up our social media outreach programs and try to start getting people to know that we exist in Nevada and um, that one of the things that I've been working on but haven't really had the time to do is, uh, you know, set up our uh, own individual Nevada Odd Fellows uh, website. But I've been trying to work on that for the last couple of months. But every single time I go to work on it, just like everything else, life gets in the way. But uh, I mean, one of the things that I've seen is that when I put the when I put the Instagram out, when I put a Twitter page for us, when I did all that stuff, when I got Facebook set up, I had a. I mean, right now I'm sitting at like seventy five over seventy five people that are following each one of those things individually. But one of the things I'd really like to do was see more people get there to where it's like you know, roughly you know over a thousand by the end of the by the by the end of next year where like people understand like hey these guys exist we're in nevada what do they do let's go talk let's go see if they uh let's go check them out and if they're great people like let's just join them that's one of the things that i want to see happen because as i've been told we're like as soon as as you already know the uh or as you as i emailed you and you probably sent that out to everybody else as well we're starting up our new lodge and a new lodge here in Nevada where I'm joining that lodge. Um, from what I've been understanding, I might be coming in as their uh, first vice grand for their lodge. Um, and, you know, it, it's just awesome to know that we're at least growing in that capacity, but I'd like to see not just the amount of lodges grow, but the amount of membership at each lodges grow. And another thing I'd like to see is that, you know, Nevada does Nevada does have quite a lot of people here and quite a lot of men that I would think and women who would want to join our organizations and really kind of, you know, go through it and then maybe, you know, want to go through the encampment, the Canton, Amos, all those appendant bodies after they go through just to keep on just to keep their experience with odd fellowship. Uh, going because as I've always said, stagnation is the death of man. As a new member, it sounds like you've gotten really involved in a lot of different things really quickly. And I know for a lot of people when they come in 
and they see a lot of work that needs to be done and then they bring up ideas and they immediately get shot down or told no and they get discouraged. So maybe you could give a little bit of insight of how, how were, obviously it sounds like you're really embraced by everybody coming in, which was key that everybody needs to definitely listen to, but what was the process like for you to get involved doing the kind of public relations work for the grand lodge or getting involved with this new lodge getting chartered? Uh, really getting involved with the public relations is our current sitting grandmaster, Daryl Harwell, uh, Harvell at, uh, here in Nevada is actually one of our brothers at uh, Reno 14. And he really had been talking to some people for the longest time about it. And then one guy, and then one of our brothers looked up and said, Hey, John, you understand that stuff too. Right. I was like, yeah. He's like, why? Like, Hey, could you do it? And I was like, yeah, I'd be willing to do it. And then Daryl looked, and then he said, Hey, Daryl, go talk to John about it. And Daryl came up, approached me. And I said, you know what? I've got some time on my hand to get that stuff set up. Maybe I've got some time to uh, manage it and keep it uh, alive. And that was the reason I got, that was the reason I got involved with that, but it was a first like, you know, independent project that I could take on. And, you know, although yes, I said recently and on here about 30 seconds ago, stagnation is the death of man. Uh, Another thing that I really wanted to get involved with is as well, building up the members here in Nevada and building up the lodges here in Nevada so we don't get absolved or in, not absolved. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, but taken in by California yeah. because we're like three lodges away from being taken away, being told by California, you've got to join us because you're not big enough to sustain yourself. And to me, that was my biggest uh, thing about going into that lodge too was like, I'm like, I don't want to go to join California because I mean, I love Nevada. I want Nevada. I, I want everything that's Nevada involved. And that was just it. I was like, I, I don't want to join California. I love Nevada. And I want Nevada stuff to really be Nevada stuff. Not, you know, we have to go to California because California is our next option. And that, that would just suck for a lot of our members to have to go and do that. And when when something like that happens where you get, attached to another jurisdiction because you've lost membership and you've lost lodges you go from being able to manage your own affairs to being uh, a secondary thought as a part of the new jurisdiction now nevada is a big state where things are very spread out Um, i know this personally because my mom lives just outside of the town of Wells, Nevada, which is the opposite end of Interstate 80 from where you're at outside of Reno there. And so in that small little town that I've driven that that I've blinked and missed about a thousand times. <laughs> that's right. It's the one between Elko and Wendover. <laughs> and there there are places in Nevada, like especially anybody who's ever driven Highway 50 across the middle. You see nothing for an hour. You go 60, 80, 90 miles, and you see nothing. There are no towns. The loneliest highway in the United States. It's empty land, and it would be impossible for somebody in the Grand Lodge office in San Jose, California, to say, oh, what's going on in Ely, Nevada? I'll just drive 14 hours out there to check it out and see what's going on. And so it's... It's really very valuable if you can do it to maintain 
membership and build it up with some, you know, enriching the lodges that you have and chartering this new lodge up at Lake Tahoe. I so wholeheartedly agree. I mean, one of the things that, you know, Daryl had brought, brother Daryl brought to me was that, you know, his biggest fear is that we would get absolved by uh, California and that we would be completely a second, an afterthought. And, you know, I, I, I wholeheartedly agreed with that sentiment as well. Now, before we talk about any of the the details uh, about the new lodge, uh, I'd kind of like to know a little bit more about what you're doing as far as social media. Like, what platforms are you on? What kind of message are you sharing? Uh, and what kind of response are you getting from that? Yeah, that's, I, I'd like to jump in on that one, too, because it's yeah. not just what you're using. It's how are you keeping enough fresh message going out when you have a smaller jurisdiction that doesn't have as many lodges, how are you keeping it active and looking like you're, you're not just a static organization, but an organization where something is regularly happening that you can post about? Uh, you know, that's a, that's one thing that I've been, that that's a trial and error process for me right now is figuring that stuff out. Like, you know, what's good content to put on there. I mean, our Instagram page for the, for like the first like month and a half of it being a thing was blank until I started figuring out what stuff I can start putting on there. And then the first thing I put on there was welcome to the, uh, welcome to the Nevada odd fellows grand lodge page. And I put like this clip art you know nevada thing that i had made on like paint literally and put that on there and then literally for like a month and a half it was just doing nothing but odd fellow facts that you know maybe might be you know somewhat something that somebody likes like you know one of my uh my my mom's side of the family one of our relatives through them is uh ulysses s grant who was our who was a fellow brother odd fellow and, uh, you know, really a uh, president and I had, you know, maybe a dozen or so people message me on the Grand Lodge platform on the Grand Lodge Instagram and said, wow, I didn't know that he was an odd fellow or that he was involved with any fraternities or anything like that. I was like, yeah, he wasn't just a general fighting Lee and beating Lee in the in the Civil War. He uh, he actually had some other cool stuff about him that. Really, once they asked me, I was like, yeah, I can tell you a lot of stuff being related to the guy, knowing a lot of things about it through family lore. I mean, you know, it really was something cool to kind of, you know, see that type of engagement. People like like messaging me and asking uh, or messaging that uh, platform. Now, the thing about Twitter is that I I'm not really good at Twitter. Uh, I really I, I set it up, but there's something about it where i just don't get the platform that well i get instagram i get facebook better than i get twitter but those are the three main platforms that we're on and then also a web platform which i'm like trying to uh figure out how to develop to make that like you know where someone types in nevada odd fellows and one of the first things that shows up is our uh, grand lodge website so that you can click on it and you can see that we exist here now, one thing that I've done that you might want to consider, since you're not very um, Twitter-centric, is I set up a IFTTT, the If Then This Then That um, app that lets you basically trigger things. 
So if I post a picture to Instagram, it automatically sends a tweet of it to the Twitter account, sends it over to the Facebook account and posts the picture over there. So that way I don't have to manage each type of social media independently. I can do one thing. I also set up a Google calendar. It lets you put in all of the events that are going on and meetings. And you could do that for all of your lodges, put their regular meeting times and places. And every time there's going to be a, a meeting, the calendar automatically triggers and sends something out to the Twitter, which then goes out to the Facebook. It makes social media managing a lot easier if it's not really something you have a lot of time to do. And as being a college student, I have I have very limited time in a day. But, you know, thank you for the advice. I'll, I'll take that into consideration. Sorry, I had a question about not social media. But before we leave that topic and talk about new lodges, is Nevada making use of virtual attendance to meetings at all? I mean, if you have lodges that are spread out and you could get a member who would maybe be able to join but not regularly attend because it's a three-hour drive, but they want to start getting involved in Oddfellows, is that something you've looked into to make attendance virtually possible? No, I, I think uh, that's something new that I could bring up with uh, Ter with Daryl and our incoming Grandmaster Terrence and see if that's something that they would be willing to investigate and do. Uh, that's a great idea. I, I think that that would be something that would benefit a lot of people. Now, one thing I have heard about our lodges is that most of the people that attend our lodges um, – you know, th they live in those areas. They live somewhere where they are able to get to the lodge, but there are very few people that do live out in proverbially the sticks that <laughs> would find it harder to get there. Yeah, the people in, say, Pahrump, Nevada. Yeah, well, they that's would just it. I mean, if you're successful in your social media efforts and public relations efforts at the Grand Lodge level, you should be getting people asking about odd fellowship from places where you don't currently have a lodge. You, that, that is a hundred percent something that is correct. And, you know, I, I, I've talked to, I've talked to Daryl and I've, and I've asked him like, Hey, have you, has any new lodge reported members coming in through uh, the fact that they looked us up on social media? And Daryl said, I, I, and um, I, I actually think that that's a question I need to probably re-ask in a better way to uh, see if he's heard anything about that being how we've gotten some new members this year, because that that's something I really would like to know as well. I mean, I do keep up with the social media analytics as well to try to see how much we're reaching, who, like, where are we reaching and stuff like that. And I, I haven't really been able to uh, really ascertain where, uh, if any of those new members have come in through that method. But that is something to keep a uh, really, really good eye on and really kind of ask that question to see if anyone really has done that. Well, you've got a couple people on this call. I'm not one of them. Yeah. But a couple of people on this call that are involved in the uh, Sovereign Grand Lodge Communications Committee and could give you a little bit of pointers on how to you know, measure that engagement and work on getting them connected beyond answering simple questions, but actually getting to the point where they can join a lodge of some type. And I know that we don't currently have any virtual lodges in Odd Fellowship because we do have to have a physical meeting place and the charter has to be visible at the place where the stream originates. But it wouldn't be impossible to charter a new lodge 
wherever it's convenient for someone to be a member that people could join that are in remote places. Because joining a jurisdictional lodge is only supposed to be a temporary thing. It's not supposed to be a permanent thing. But you could kind of have a lodge that's, you know, maybe in Reno or in Las Vegas or wherever that's an extra lodge that's primarily for catch-all members to have them be involved temporarily so they could hold offices uh, and and be qualified to start a new lodge. Because if you're already a member, it only takes five yep. per degree members to start. And so you kind of have to get them in the door. And I completely agree with that. I think that, you know, that's something that uh, is our is a problem with Odd Fellows is, uh, it, at least here in Nevada, is that issue of we, again, as I found out, like through doing the, you know, building the digital, you know, media side of Nevada's uh, Odd Fellowship, it was literally we were taking the 18th century and having to jump the 19th century and get to the 21st <laughs> century really quick, really, really quick. You mean you didn't just use the telegraph code on the back of your dues card on Twitter? <laughs> Is that what that thing's for? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It it was a form of encrypted communication um, from from back in the days when Oddfellows were still very tech savvy. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> by the 1880s, the Oddfellows had kind of uh, woken up a little bit and said, you know, this telegraph thing could be the wave of the future. Let's embrace it and allow lodges to communicate by telegraph. So they came up with the telegraph code where you could go to Western Union and say, send this telegram to somewhere with this this coded message. And the only the lodge at the other end would know because they had the telegraph cipher on the back of their dues card. Now that's quite interesting. I had no idea that we had that on the back of, of some of our dues cards. <laughs> it's now, on the back of the encampment one still. Yeah. Now, of course, in Nevada, you, you guys didn't really need that newfangled telegraph. You had the Pony Express going right across the middle of the state. <laughs> Yeah, and literally going right across the middle of the state because they just had to get to California really quickly. That's right. They're and, like, and, and Toby's mentioned it quite a few times, and Ainsley as well, that the Oddfellows used to be at the cutting edge of technology compared to any other fraternal organization. We're the ones that had magic lanterns doing slides and things, moving on to, to other stuff, having music and and special effects in our degree work. That is something that is a heritage that kind of just stopped once we said, well, this is good enough. We can uh, we can put this on and we can, you know, move from the magic lantern to the uh, slide carousel machine and call it good. Nowadays, but most of the time now, most days here in Nevada, most of our lodges are just using a video to do most of their uh, degree work. Yeah, that's a that's a case where technology. uh you know, took a sidestep and went a little bit the wrong direction. And I completely agree with that. One of our former brother or one of our current brothers who uh, you guys had on the podcast before, Joe Mata, that was yeah. one thing he really wanted to uh, do for our lodge was have enough members so we could actually put on a physical um, installation or, or initiation. Initiation, 
not installation. Yeah. That's that's later in the conversation. <laughs> uh, but uh, in initiation for some of our new members, and you know that was something he wanted to do. And I kind of think that that idea, when he hasn't been as active, uh, went to the wayside. But it's something that I think would be really cool to do is just bring that idea back. And I mean, when I went through the first and second degree of uh, Masons, that was something that I really enjoyed was that whole like, you know, mysterious play aspect of it all. And that's one of the great things about Odd Fellowship. We have these fantastic degrees and the video degrees are a double-edged sword. On the one hand, like here in my home jurisdiction of Washington, during the pandemic, we were still growing and taking in members. We had everybody in masks, sitting in a room, socially distanced, and we showed the degree video on the big screen. And then the Noble Grand would come down and do the instruction in the unwritten work. Okay, that allowed us to bring interested people into the lodge during a time when it was impractical to do regular degree work. And there are lodges that are small, um, and especially here in the Western US, there aren't always five or six lodges in the neighboring towns that can come together to help out with a degree. It may be five elderly men in Austin, Nevada, and all they can manage to do is do the video degree for the new guy who happened to wander into the lodge one day and said, yeah, I guess I'll join this. But at the same time, having it so easy to do now means that there are lodges that are relying on it more than they probably should and cheating members out of that wonderful bonding experience of the live degree work. I'm just surprised of your geographical knowledge of Nevada right now. <laughs> as, I, as I mentioned, my mom lives there, so I have driven north, south, east, west, all across the state of Nevada. Um, uh, so you... So you know Reno to Vegas is not a hop, skip, and a jump, and you're there. It's a hop, skip, and a 600-mile jump, and you're probably there. <laughs> exactly. I I understand. 400-mile, I gave it a little extra. <laughs> I understand the geography of the West because, you know, everybody else on the podcast, they're back East, and they're like, oh, the nearest town is five miles away. Um, out West, <laughs> you know, it's like driving 300 miles in a day. It's just normal. It's just something we do out here. Much agreed on that. I, I have, I've spent many, many a time the six hour drive down to Vegas. And it is just one of those things that I get out of my car and I'm like, thank God I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> there well, was nothing except Tonopah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk just a little bit more about uh, the social media platforms that you're on for uh, the Grand Lodge of Nevada. Uh, you've mentioned Instagram. Uh, what else are you doing as far as social media? Oh, yeah. And can you, can you shout out your Instagram handle for the Grand Lodge page as well? So listen, oh, yeah. can go find yeah, it. Be sure and share that. We This is going to be a doozy of an Instagram handle. I'm pretty sure you guys are going to listen to this going, wow, very specific. <laughs> so our Instagram handle is IOOF underscore gl underscore nevada all lowercase okay that makes sense iof gl nevada with underscores in between yep very specific and uh how about the other social media platforms that you're on 
almost the same thing except for the facebook is just you know nevada odd fellows and that one i still am like again i used to be a facebook nut i knew how to use facebook instagram became my new thing so facebook is the same thing uh just nevada odd fellows and then the twitter again i gotta look this one up because i don't i I, my memory's kind of going a little shot because of school (laughs) um the uh one for our twitter is uh Again, I-O-O-F underscore Grand underscore Lodge underscore Nevada. Excellent. And what what kind of information are you sharing on those? I know Mike touched on that earlier. Um, is, it, is it really information that's specific to Nevada? Or are you hoping that by sharing information about Odd Fellowship – um, people who are looking up Nevada stuff will just find it. Um, a little bit of both. I, I try to do a little bit of both. Like, you know, there probably are those history nuts that will go out, like, you know, some poor college kid or some, you know, <laughs> cyber sleuth is going to type into their thing, what is odd fellowship? And then somehow, some way, he's going to figure out that there's something in Nevada. Then he's going to look up the uh, the Instagram or he's going to see the Twitter. Or he's going to see the Facebook and maybe something might catch his eye to make him who probably hopefully lives in Nevada come to one of the lodges that are near his area. And, you know, again, I have I put on there if you guys have any questions on any of that stuff, uh, contact or DM uh, me directly so I can give you information if you want to know anything about it. And I've had maybe three or four People contact me uh, just to figure out about that stuff, but I've had a lot more contact me about the fact that we exist in Nevada. Ah, wait, you exist in Nevada? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we do. I don't know. Is, is our overlords telling us that the simulation's over? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had an interesting experience last week where someone had gone to our website, had gone to our Instagram, had gone to our, they'd seen everything, everything we have out there, which I thought was quite bountiful. And uh, his question was, yeah, but how do I join? What's the process for joining? How difficult is it? It never occurred to me that just say, here's you know, our contact information, reach out if you're interested in joining, wasn't enough information for someone to actually take that step and join. They wanted a uh, step-by-step, like, yeah, you come in, you fill out an application, then you get an interviewing committee meets with you, and then there's a ballot. And I didn't think we needed to go to that level of detail on a post so people could you know, have that one flagged to look at, but apparently we do need it. I mean, again, I would say it's kind of like, you know, job at going in and applying for a job is what it's like to apply or what it's like to join odd fellows. It's the same thing for Masons. And, you know, again, it was almost the same thing for another organization. I joined the Knights of Columbus. I mean, again, it's just go in, fill out an application and, you know, we'll interview you, see if we want you to join. And if we like you, you're in. Yeah. The hoops are a little bit, uh, larger and easier to climb through for the odd fellows than it is for some other organizations that uh, do make the process a lot longer and more complicated, complicated than, than we do for us. It's, I'm not going to say you can do it all on the day you arrive, but it's a, it's a simpler process. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was literally like 
almost three weeks of a process. And that's one thing I really did enjoy about it was it was a three week process. Like, Hey, uh, they read my application. They made the interviewing committee. Then the next week I came in, I did the interview. It wasn't just me who interviewed. It was me and like two other people who were being interviewed to uh, join odd fellows. And then like literally the next week we were all balloted on. And then literally the week I got told that night I was actually at the lodge and uh, they came back in and said to me and the three, the two other guys, I was going to say me and the three other guys, but I was counting myself twice there. Sorry about that. <laughs> and um, literally that they just said to all three of us, Hey, you guys are in. And then like they said, uh, we already established that your initiatory degree is next week when you guys come here and uh, then we'll just go from there. So that was it. I basically was in, in about a month. I mean, to me it felt like a, a, a applying for a job it was it was a little bit of a tedious process but one that i think is also very necessary i would agree with that we if we're going to have members who place a value on their membership it has to be something that is attainable but there has to be a certain sense of satisfaction in completing the process. And I think that is really important. The, and that's one of the, the issues with getting your degrees. Um, when I took my degrees, uh, that was when we had the degree lodge in Seattle and we had a degree master and they would open for the purpose of conferring whatever degree they were doing. I had to come in as an initiatory degree member and actually prove myself in the work of the initiatory degree to be allowed to continue to take the first degree that night. So unlike at a degree day, uh, and I'm not saying degree days are bad necessarily, but at a degree day, you get the initiatory degree, everybody takes a five minute break so they can change robes, and then you're launched into the first degree. So you haven't actually had a chance to use and incorporate the material learned in the initiatory degree before you have to then, um, you know, go and prove yourself in the work to take the first degree. Well, I got the experience of being an odd fellow for six months at the initiatory level before I had to go in and actually remember and take the quiz of the initiatory degree that the Noble Grand gives you before you can take the first degree. And then I had to wait another two months to take the second degree and then another two months to take the third degree. And by going through that process, um, it made the degrees seem that much more valuable and the lessons that much more memorable as opposed to, okay, we're going to run you through the initiatory and first degree, then it's lunch and we're going to have olive loaf sandwiches and then the second and third degree and you'll be out of here by two o'clock. That's a great way of getting people the degrees, but it's not necessarily a great way of people learning the lessons of those degrees. It's a good way if you're going to be starting a new lodge and you need to get that 15 number of new people, their degree, so you can do your installation ceremony. But when you're dealing with individuals or a small number, it's not the best. We meet every week and we try to do one degree a month. So you get three meetings in between to just, you know, let the stuff sink in. Of course, one of those is a social meeting, so we don't sink anything in but food. Yeah. But, you know, you get the idea. <laughs> or and if then you're in Nevada, you, come... you play a poker game while you're uh, while you're on your social night. 
That's right. <laughs> we we play another game. Um, well, I'll give it the nice name. We pass the trash. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a different game where you you get one card and then you can either steal your neighbor's card or keep your card. It, it's it's neither here nor there. But it's a it's a fun yeah. little game we play because it's mostly a, a game that you do a lot of talking during. It's not the kind of game where you're adversarial really, and so it's a. You can and you can also play it with twenty people around a really long table, and you just keeps going. Everybody laughs at each other. But that aside, doing one degree a month gives a chance for people to wear that collar for a couple of meetings and sort of understand the process of where they stand. Otherwise, you know that pink collar only ever comes out of the closet for you know degree day for five minutes before you rip it off and put on the next one. And I think we like to do a little, little better than that and let people enjoy the degrees. I think that's a very, very good point. You know, giving people the opportunity to truly enjoy the degrees uh, is really important. And it, it tells the members who are taking the degrees, you're important and that's why we are giving you these degrees. We believe in you as a member and we're making the investment. Now, Ainsley, uh, I believe you might have had a question uh, before we go to break here. Yeah, I had a follow up uh, from earlier when we were discussing uh, the uh, Mount Lodges in Nevada and trying to stave off being absorbed into the juggernaut jurisdiction that is California. So the requisite number of lodges to maintain your Grand Lodge is five, I believe. Is that correct, everybody? Yes, I, that's what I've been told. So, so how, how many lodges um, are there currently in Nevada, and where are they located? For anybody that's listening who doesn't have a map of Nevada with the lodges pinned to it, hanging in their room right now. <laughs> uh, so, our lodge number in Nevada sits at lucky number seven. It's hopefully going to be great number eight uh, next year. Um where they're located we have reno carson elko winnemucca vegas i think austin nevada it has another has one but they are active but also not meeting as regularly and then there is another one i think the other one is actually in tonopah but I only know of five of the seven of them right now. And then I know of the next one that will, that hopefully uh, we have going by next year, uh, which is in uh, Incline Village, Nevada. Okay. So it fairly well spread out around the state. Yes, fairly well spread out. Excellent. Well, that, Ainsley, that was a great question. Because uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to do our lodge shout out. Uh, we're going to be helping to promote an important fundraiser that's coming up. And we're going to be talking more with Brother Jonathan Wedig about the new lodge at Lake Tahoe. So stick around, everybody. Listen to this very important message from Pig and a Pug. And then we'll be right back. Can I help you? Hello. Good afternoon, ma'am. I'm terribly sorry to have bothered you, 
My name is Kenneth Friendship. I'm pounding the pavement in your neighborhood asking people, just like yourself, about their household bath products. Would you mind sparing just a few minutes of your time to answer some mildly intrusive questions? It'll be real quick, I swear. Oh, I suppose. I was just about to start a marathon of Are You Being Served? But I guess anything for the greater good. Great. If you don't mind, I'll just jump right in. You do use cleaning products, don't you? Detergents, cleansers, soaps, balms, salves, things of that nature? Of course. Why, doesn't everyone? Nifty. Can you tell me about your hand soaps? Or are you part of the population that just has a piece of wet sandpaper next to the sink? Sandpaper? You know what? That's a common response. I'll also bet your hands have the texture of a painter's elbow. Yes. Let me make a suggestion. You know, a lot of your neighbors are using products by a company called Pig in a Pug. They're a company based in Missoula, Montana, you know, where they do all that fishing and that. I've never heard of it. That's fine. You can hop on the internet and look up Pig in a Pug on Etsy.com. You can get the goods there too. Do you like witty product names? Who doesn't? You'll love their fall soap line this year. Bone Suds and Harmony, Better Call Fall, The Washing Dead, <laughs> not even a whiff of a cease and desist there. The Pumpkin Spice is your next door neighbor's favorite, and between you and me, she's got the hands of a poet. That stuff must cost a fortune. <clears throat> you know, in life, you do get what you pay for. But if you use the code THANKYOU24 at checkout on Etsy, they will know that I sent you and they're going to knock off 24%. I heard she's got a weird thing about even numbers. I'll make sure to place two orders then. You won't regret it. Have a nice day. What a strange man. Oh well, Captain Peacock is calling me. Alright, we are back after our break, and we have a Lodge shout-out. So, this evening's Lodge shout-out goes to the Jefferson Lodge number 38 of North Carolina. Raise up! So, they have written out a little thing that I'm going to read aloud to you. We do a pancake breakfast on the second Saturday of every month. The money raised goes to help local people with things like winter heating bills, emergency auto repairs, and medical and food expenses. We do not charge, but we accept donations. Some folks come and eat for free. This month, we also did a pancake breakfast for the local Ruritans chapter to help fund their scholarship program. We meet weekly, but once per month, we meet at a local church and have a potluck dinner open to the public. We started this because many members cannot make it to up our stairs. We are in the process of installing chairlifts to help with that. We have allowed other groups to use our facility for meetings, including a local meditation group, a tabletop role-playing group, and a nonpartisan political action group. So that is our Lodge shout-out from Jefferson Lodge number 38 in North Carolina, and it seems like they're doing a lot of cool stuff, and I know they have a pretty active Facebook page if anybody wants to check that out. I believe it's Jefferson Oddfellows on Facebook. All right. 
And Mike, what can listeners do if they have a lodge or an encampment or a canton that's doing something great that they want to share with the rest of us? Well, I think the best thing they probably could do is contact us. And you can contact us by email. And that is three links podcast. With the number three, the numeral three, not the word three, three links oddcast at something dot something. It just popped out of my head. Probably at gmail.com. Yeah, gmail.com. I don't know why that wouldn't stick in my head. Probably because I'm just not in the Gmail generation, although I do have one. So it's three links oddcast at gmail.com with the numeral three. You let us know what's going on with your lodge. You don't have to have something ground shaking that you're doing. If you've decided to, you know, do a degree that you haven't done in a while, brought in some new members, went out in the community and did something, cleaned your front porch on your building, whatever it is, that's a reason enough to contact us and talk to us about it. Because what we want to have everyone know is that things are happening everywhere in Odd Fellowship. Great things, small things, all of them come out the same because they let your community know that you're there and you're active. That's right. And we always love hearing about what's going on. In fact, that's how we found out about this new lodge coming up in Nevada. But before we talk to Brother Jonathan Wedding again, I want to share something with you that came to us from Cedar Falls Lodge in Cedar Falls, Iowa, uh, not Cedar Falls, Cedar Valley. Sorry. I always think Cedar Falls because we have a an old ghost town here in Washington called Cedar Falls. Well, so that's Cedar... more excusable than forgetting what Gmail is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're never going to get Google as a sponsor at that rate, Mike. Thanks. Good job. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we're stuck with regional soap companies. Not that we don't love you, Pig in a Pug. We do. We do. So Cedar Valley Lodge in Iowa, that's Cedar Valley number 233, they are organizing a really fantastic fundraiser. There's a member of their community uh, who has uh, a very rare kind of disease that causes tumors on nerves. And the lodge is working to raise $10,000 uh, to help support this community member's care they're doing an event called Discs for Dino, uh, who's a member of their community and uh, is bravely fighting NF2 and has been for the last four years while still getting straight A's in school. So NF2 is a disease that affects about one in every 30,000 people, causes tumors to grow on nerves, um, and there is no cure for this disease. So to help out with the medical expenses for this person, on June 25th, 2023, Cedar Valley Lodge number 233 is hosting a disc golf tournament at Big Woods Disc Golf Course in Cedar Falls. And they are requesting whole sponsorships. Well, if you're someone who's not in the area and you would like to donate or become a whole sponsor, 
what a great thing for your lodge to do to help out another lodge with their fundraiser. You can check out their lodge website, which is cedarvalleyoddfellows.com. You can make a donation right there through their website. You can sponsor one of the holes for the tournament and help out this really fantastic, wonderful cause being put together by Cedar Valley Lodge number 233 in the grand jurisdiction of Iowa. That's some fantastic work that they're doing there. Yeah, isn't it great? I love hearing about lodges that take up a cause like that in their community. Not only is it great philanthropy, it's a great way of letting people in the community know that your lodge exists and you would be happy to have other people come and join. And speaking of coming and joining, we have brother Jonathan Wedig joining us here from Reno Lodge number 14 in Reno, Nevada, the biggest little city in the world. And I understand uh, plans are in the works right now. You're going to be getting a new lodge up at Lake Tahoe. Tell us about that. So, um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, that is something that I got involved with. Uh, the uh, past Grandmaster of California uh, came to Nevada and was like, I want to help you guys set up another lodge. So uh, that's how I heard that that got started. And then uh, through the grapevine, I heard it through uh, our Grand Lodge uh, members when we were brought together talking about, you know, our digital outreach and our uh, public outreach stuff. And I was like, hey, I'd be willing to go up there and join that lodge. And somehow, some way, if uh, one of my other brothers, whose name is Matt Arnold, like I've talked about before, who uh, found who was also very close with uh, the past grandmaster of California, who's setting up that lodge, asked me if I wanted to help him out with it. I said, sure. He said, all right, let me talk to him, talk to him and said, hey, he would like you to or we would probably put you in as noble grand or vice grand uh, this for the first year. And I was like, great, that's awesome. And uh, we, I think the plans were to have it open in June or July, but that's gotten pushed back a little bit because of the random snowfall that we had and him not being able to make it down to uh, Reno to discuss with our grandmaster and our vice grandmaster who was, who would be there to do the installation of our lodge. And uh, so far as I've been told, it's still on, it's still on, it's still going. And uh, you know, uh, it's going to be an interesting experience to go up there and see that and see a new charter be made and to be involved with it. I know you said earlier, you're not super duper close involved with the process, but um, from what you've, been able to be part of uh with the chartering process uh do you uh, have you seen what the steps are to get one going do you know what the steps have been at all or like how how hands-on have you been with it if Uh, from my perspective i've been uh as hands-on as laissez-faire can be (laughs) yeah so it's more something that other people are organizing and you found out about it and decided that you were willing to help support it. Absolutely. I, I as we talked about uh, before the break, um, I, I really want there to be more active odd fellowship in Nevada and really, really kind of, I thought that was something good to do, which was build that 
uh, membership up and give us at least one more lodge of a buffer before uh, the bad thing happens and we go to California. Not saying that California is bad, but just saying that us going to Cal, our entire lodge is going to California wouldn't be such the best thing for Nevada in my mind. So do you know anything about um, the the beginning of the idea? Was it hearing about the new lodge on the California side of Lake Tahoe that inspired people? Uh, were there members of your lodge who are already living at Lake Tahoe and didn't want to drive down the hill into Reno? Um, From to stop, Sorry to cut yeah. you off there, but I, I, I've heard why it happened. I think it was that there were members of the Emerald Bay Lodge in California that, you know, their travels from the Nevada side to the Emerald Bay side was a little bit much. And they said, and they brought us or they brought the idea up at one of their lodge sessions to uh, bring that idea forward. And that's what I heard was the uh, inspiration behind it starting was that they kind of wanted to keep one in Nevada so they didn't have to travel around the lake because if you've ever been to Lake Tahoe to <laughs> get from one side to the other it takes you about an hour to drive to drive the entire road around the lake takes you about an hour takes you about 2 hours so i think for them it was just the convenience of doing something like that and i would and i'm completely behind that idea i think that makes a lot of sense uh, to have one on each side of the border. Because uh, people not familiar with the geography, the border between California and Nevada goes right through the middle of Lake Tahoe. So on- They so get two thirds, we get one third. And uh, we love we love our one third a lot. We, 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 uh, there, are multiple bar there are multiple bumper stickers, a lot of clothing <laughs> items that says, uh, keep Tahoe blue on the Nevada side. That's right. So- it makes a lot of sense to charter a lodge on each side of the border. Now, this is something that gets into one of those interjurisdictional issues sometimes. Um, in going through some of the history of the Grand Encampment of Washington, uh, I ran across uh, an issue that came up uh, back in the early 20th century, uh, about 120 years ago, roughly, there was an encampment in Clarkston, Washington, and there was an encampment in Lewiston, Idaho. Well, apparently the meetings were better at the Lewiston, Idaho encampment. So all of those odd fellows in that sort of bottom right-hand corner of Washington, they attended the encampment in Lewiston, Idaho. Well, that's in a different jurisdiction. Now it's one thing if you wanna cross the bridge and do your grocery shopping in Idaho, because it taxes are a little lower or something like that. But when you're talking about taking a fraternal membership in another jurisdiction, well, that's kind of a different story. So this led to a little minor spat between Washington and Idaho. Uh, and ultimately the Grand Patriarch of Washington uh, was very upset because all of these members were belonging to an encampment in Idaho. Well, in the end, the encampment in Clarkston folded because the members really liked going over to the encampment in Idaho. So by having a lodge both on the California side and the Nevada side, um, you can have 
a lodge in each jurisdiction, which hopefully will benefit both and hopefully bring in a whole bunch of new members, both on the Nevada and the California side, because Lake Tahoe is beautiful. There's no reason why we shouldn't have a couple odd fellows lodges up there. Absolutely. That, uh, I mean, I, there's also, now we do the last lodge that I forgot to mention earlier was the Virginia city lodge. And, you know, for me, I've always wanted to see that lodge kind of get back and start being active. Uh, and when I heard about the Tahoe lodge, I was like, you know what, that's probably one of those lodges that you won't get to be involved with something like that, that much in your life go ahead and do it it's nevada it's something that's going to benefit the uh entirety of uh, the state it when it, it when it happens and uh i and i've always and that's one thing that i've i mean as again i've said i don't want to join the great white california uh, or the great california lodge but i want to try to keep our lodges uh in our state having our own grand lodge in our own jurisdiction so that we can deal with our stuff in house if we if something arises that we need to work that we need to deal with and that's a good good idea and you know in the past on this podcast we've talked about putting together uh an odd fellow calendar and i was just thinking that you know your members there in reno lodge might be able to do one of the months and really get your your name out there because I heard that you all wear the Lieutenant Dangle shorts at that lodge. <laughs> I'm, I, I will tell you, I'm one of the rare few that wears a suit to the lodge meetings. Whenever we have a meeting night, I will wear a suit. I, I, to me, that's what those me, those, that's what those meetings are for is, you know, you're there to you represent your lodge and we should all represent our lodge uh, accordingly. But you are right. There are a lot of people who wear shorts to those lodges when it gets to the uh, when it gets to shortened T-shirt weather. Yeah, that, you could take one of the uh, one of the months in the Oddfellow calendar we've been throwing around for a while. Be new boot goof in November. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what do you see as the path forward for Odd Fellowship in Nevada? You've got the excitement of getting a new lodge organized. Um, you're working on the social media. What what do you see as um, things that are going to happen for your jurisdiction going forward? Um again yeah the social media i mean bringing us from the 18th all the way up to the 20 or the 19th all the way up to the 21st century when it comes to techno when it comes to our digital outreach to people because again I, I, i'm 28 years old i'm in that millennial crowd now i'm not that atypical millennial but i am in that millennial crowd and i do know what young members and what people are doing nowadays is the most of their life is spent on the uh on the little thing called a pocket computer i think it's i think it's actual name is the phone <laughs> and uh keeping and really kind of you know realizing hey if we can get people to uh do that i think that's one thing that we're really kind of working to do more of is try to figure out how to get that interaction online and i think another thing that you know that i feel like we're doing pretty dang well at is um keeping our lodges strong the ones that are here in Nevada, keeping them strong so we don't have to worry about uh, 
the California Lodge. And uh, I think one thing that uh, I hope is true is that um, our, our is that our grandmasters are really going to, you know, really kind of push towards making new membership a, a, a thing and reminding ourselves that we do have old existing members that we need to keep an eye on and make them our uh, and not make them a back thought, but also make a priority of membership engagement through the uh, the social media. Like, hey, you know, if you're going to be in Reno and you're from Vegas for the week and you want to go see what the Reno Lodge is like, I mean, hey, online tells you they meet Thursday, so you can go and meet with them on Thursday and whatnot. And I think that'd be something really cool as well moving forward is having that type of engagement so we get to meet more of our brothers from other areas around uh, Nevada. So you mentioned about how, you know, everybody is very locked to their little device that lives in their pocket. Um, so if say you're at work or you're hanging out with friends or whatever, and you know, how, how do you, how, how do you talk to them to convince them that say, going to a lodge meeting or joining an organization like odd fellows, how do you make it seem enticing enough to make it worthwhile to be like, well, I could just stay at home and I could go on Reddit and I could just like post memes all day. Or why, why do I want to leave the comfort of my home and go to a, a meeting with a bunch of strangers that, it, you're just like doing weird stuff. What What's cool about that? Um, that's a good question. I mean, for me, I have tried to bring a few people into the lodge uh, that they've asked me questions about it. I say, you know, the, the rule of thumb is you don't talk about what happens in lodge, but I talk about what happens outside of the lodge meeting. And for some of them, they're like, wait, you guys just hang out. And it's like, yeah, we pretty much, you know, we pretty much on our Thursday come in and hang out before the lodge meeting. And then we go to the meeting and then every, and then the next Thursday is just a hangout session sometimes, or, you know, we have some, you know, discussions that we need to, that, that we forgot to talk about in lodge. And, you know, they just kind of have like a weird table discussion about it outside of the lodge. And, you know, one of the things that I tell them is like, you know, it's just a bunch of good old boys, you know, meeting and talking. And, you know, that's really what I try to convince people is just the thing. I mean, it's like a brotherhood. It's friendship. It's love. It's friendship and love. And that's what I try to convince them it is. And the two people I have tried to bring in are, you know, uh, just they, they don't understand it. And I think the one thing that I really do believe is the issue is, as you said, that little device in our pocket that we're all attached to at the hip. And really, I think that that would be something that I've tried to do a little bit better of is trying to bring people in to show them, Hey, we're, uh, we're not just shooting the ship, but we are really kind of doing some stuff. And there is some cool stuff we're doing in our community. I think that would be something else that I'd like to see is that, you know, we do, uh, we advertise more within our own lodge and outside of our lodge about the community work that we're doing. I mean, Reno Lodge 14 owns the owns one of the cemeteries and one of the mortuaries here in Reno. And I think, you know, if we were to, you know, advertise on those a little bit more like, hey, we are owned by this fraternal organization would also be something that I think would really, really drive people because they'd be like, wow, you guys helped us in one of our worst times and probably somebody would see that and go, you know what, I'm going to go see what these guys are like and, you know, figure out, you know, is this something that I need to be involved with because of 
this hard time might bring some new members. Yeah, that's one of the the things that we talk about quite a bit on this podcast is that younger people in particular need community and they're not going out and finding it through work, through school, uh, through churches, anything like that. Those older institutions are not providing what people need nowadays and they, they have the illusion of community because they're participating in social media. But what brings real community is when you sit down together and do something like having a lodge meeting. So I, I think there's a lot of wisdom uh, behind what you say. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I am 28 years old. I am a millennial. I am a young person. And I really do feel like that the group of guys that I you know see on those Thursdays really, really do kind of make me you know develop a skill that I think my generation kind of lacks, which is, you know, the ability to be a social being. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things that, you know, we have in our red book, if I'm not going to say anything that's outside the norm, is that we do have the uh, the idea that people are social and humane yeah. and that we should be social. Yes, we should. We absolutely should. I'm really excited to see that new documentary, Join or Die, that features some of the members of Waxahachie 80 in the beginning and in the end, apparently, um, because, and that whole, correct me if I'm wrong, that direct, the join or die documentary is based off of the book bowling alone, right? Is that the connection? I believe that's correct. Uh, it's been a while since I've uh, read up on the film, but I think you're right about that. And cause it interviews the guy that wrote that book in it too. <laughs> And the whole, because he's the guy that coined the term social capital. Yeah. And that it's important to form these in-person connections with people because we've become such an isolationist society, and especially our younger generations that, you know, basically anybody my age and under who has been basically grew up on the internet and, we have these online communities where we don't really know the person. It's just a little avatar bubble and you only know them in this very thin veneer of a relationship. And if anything happened to you, like that person isn't going to, they're not going to come and help you. Or if you just, your whole socializing is online gaming. If something bad happened to you, they're going to Fortnite you know dunk on you a little bit it's it's not a very supportive world online and to join an in-person group where the the rule is you have to behave a certain way and it's counter to everything we've been taught about being online on how to treat people and if there's somebody that doesn't agree with you you're supposed to be mean to them you're supposed to try to shame them and try to make them get triggered and mad and then you laugh at them and that seems to be what our society is valuing now is how quickly you can make somebody upset and then laugh about it whereas this by challenging ourselves to get together as people and actually talking together and doing things together as a unit that is becoming such a radical thing these days to be like yeah i hang out with this group of random people that i don't know what they're, you know, like, I don't really know who they are outside of the lodge room, but 
we focus on this one thing and we, I know they're good people. And I know if something bad happens that I have people I could depend on to help me out. And likewise, and because we took an oath and a bond for that, and that's something you can't get with a online uh, message board. I, I agreed. And again, I mean, I go back to like, I, I was a guy that, you know, again, you do say that there are isolation that, that we are in a society of isolation right now. And, you know, I'm in school, I, I go to work, I'm pretty much like six days a week. I mean, yeah, other than not being at school work or at lodge, I mean, there are times that, I mean, I'm just sitting in my room on my phone, but th there are just, but when I do get those moments to go out and force myself to go be around these people and, you know, again, Odd Fellowship really did teach me that it's actually a good thing to be out and about to uh, be around people, maybe hear a difference of opinion or hear a different point of view and understand that there is a social way to deal with that stuff. And, you know, hey, it's not my opinion. It's the opinion of someone else. And, you know, uh, if I can be a little crass, opinions are opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. And I think, you know, again, it, it teaches you that mentality like, hey, we all have our own opinions. And I mean, also, we might not agree with each other, but when we're out in public, we're a lot better at dealing with, you know, the disagreement than we are when we're online, because all you do is you just type away on your keyboard and say, you're this, you're that, you're blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And you don't understand what you're doing in life. And I do like Oddfellows for that reason. I mean, they do bring us, I mean, they do bring the members together and we do tend to, you know, be a lot more humane and social when we are in those situations with each other. And I, I would add that while it's important for the, those of us who are a little older to you know, bring in the younger people and teach them to be social and humane in person, we have to meet you halfway and also engage you on your level. I know in the lodge here in Charleston, we use group meet. We probably have, I don't know, seven or eight different subgroups in the group me. And we're always on there. If somebody's sick, if somebody's going to go out to some event, if there's something going on in somebody's life or whatever, that little device in your pocket is going off all during the week. So that it isn't just what you come in on meeting night. We stay connected all the time because the people who are, uh, you know, more device centric need that connection. They, they can't just come out to lodge once a week and maintain that social connection if it just sits dormant for the rest of the week when they're not in lodge and odd fellowship should be a constant part of your life in the lodge and without it's not you know we don't keep it caged there and like a zoo and you just come and you know stroke it every once in a while it should be out <laughs> all the time and you know using something like group me or a discord or something like that you keep engaged and yeah you can put things on a facebook group but a lot of times that's stuff that other people can see. It doesn't let you have that that type of um, quick interaction that you get on a group me where you say, hey, uh, we just had one that came across saying, I don't know if any of you people are busy tomorrow, but you know, one of the churches in the neighborhood is going to be doing um, some sort of feast. I forget what it was. And there was like a special homemade sauce that's been perfected over generations and it's really good. Nothing to do with Odd Fellows, except that it is Odd Fellowship to reach out to your fellow members in the lodge and invite them to come do something that you enjoy because you think they'll enjoy it too. 
And we have that. And we had a member have to go into the hospital. We all found out immediately. We didn't have to wait until the next meeting to know that this person was struggling. And, and that's valuable. And when someone goes and cuts grass at our camp, you know, we let the other people know, hey, we already just did that. You don't need to drive out there and do it. It's been done. Uh, and what do we want to eat for a meal or a snack? I mean, you just go on and on that the whole key to success is communication. Communication externally and communication internally to get members and then to keep them engaged. Absolutely. Well, before we wrap this up, is there anything else, uh, Brother Jonathan, you might like to share with the wider world of Odd Fellowship? Um, no, most of the stuff I've had to, that I wanted to share, I got out of the way and I did get to share it. Um, I mean, the one thing I would like to share is that if you're in the Reno area, uh, Thursday night, uh, 6 o'clock, stop by Reno Lodge 14 and uh, come say hi to some brothers and uh, ha and uh, probably have a drink or two with us. That sounds like an excellent, excellent invitation. I might just take you up on that one of these times, especially <laughs> um, if it happens in conjunction with chartering that new lodge up at Lake Tahoe. And I will keep you guys uh, appraised on uh, that progress as well, if you would like to be uh, updated on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we always like to... Oh, we try and get the exclusive media rights for interviews for all the new lodges. Very, very, very good. <laughs> as, as if that's actually a thing, exclusive media rights for a new Odd Fellows Lodge. I would love that to become so important that it becomes a thing. So the Odd Fellows <laughs> Network on TV, that, that might be an idea down the line, right? Yeah, we, I'd be down for that. <laughs> so that brings us to the final portion of the show, the odd pods, where we get to share whatever we want. Now, who wants to go first for the odd podge? I can go. All right, Ainsley, what do you got? As always, I've got some little old booklet of some sort. Um, so this one actually came from my father. He um, was going through a box of, I guess, goodies that, uh, I don't know of what, but he found one of those little bylaws and constitution booklets. The cover is now MIA. It was from Star Lodge number 259 of New Jersey. And apparently one of the charter members of this lodge was somebody from Donellan where my dad grew up. So that's why he has the little book. Anyway, um, so I was perusing through it and it got to the article 11 on funeral benefits. And it says on the death of a brother in good standing, who has been a member for at least six months, the sum of $100 shall be appropriated as a funeral benefit benefit. And I told my dad, I was like, you know what? That's exactly how much we still do today. <laughs> well, yeah, you like date for that. I was going to say, um, the the date in the book is 1901, but I don't know exactly when the book was, you know, but it's 1901. So I did a little bit of math and it was around, um, well, I didn't do math. Google did the math, if we're going to be completely honest. Yeah. And so it, it turns out in 1901, $100 was about $1,800 in today's money. So wow. that's how much 
that hundred dollars would have gotten you back in the day as a lodge death benefit. Whereas if we, if your lodge still participates in the death benefit and still does the hundred dollars, like my lodge does, it's just a hundred dollars, <laughs> but it gave me, it's like, you know what, you know, the, that last episode about the mutual benefits. And so it's just, it's, I'm, I'm just a lot of things I'm chewing on right here. It's just like, I think we could be doing a little bit more to really take care of people. Cause there's a lot of holes in our society that are not covered that I think odd fellowship can have a place for. Well, to follow up on that, um, I, I did some of my uh, DDGM duties on Tuesday night and um, joined into a lodge meeting in my district where I'm district deputy. And there was a very lively discussion under good of the order about what we're doing in our jurisdiction of Washington with our Oddfellows home. And someone said, since it's no longer a place that older Oddfellows can count on being able to go at the end of their life, uh, since it's basically just a general care facility that we're running, maybe now is a good time to divest, sell the home, and instead take the money that we're putting into that and establish a fund to pay for long-term in-home care for aged members. Mm. That would actually be a much better modern uh, analog for what we used to do with the Oddfellows home. So, you know, other people are looking at that now going, what if we really were an actual member benefit fraternity like we're supposed to be? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's the truth. I mean, people don't want to be ripped from their homes and from their family support structure and trucked off to the middle of nowhere to go sit in, in a home where you just wait to die. Yeah. And, you know, that's how things have changed. Plus, we're not an organization that runs homes that meet up with all the federal rules. You have to get other people involved to help you do that. It, it ends up being expense. You have to bring other people in besides your own members to qualify for things. It's not providing the kind of benefit that it once did. Yeah. So there's, there are definitely other people around the order who are looking at that going, how can we reinterpret our historical mission as odd fellows and turn it into something else. So that's very interesting yeah. about the death benefit, Ainsley. I think it really kind of puts things in perspective that yeah. 120 years later, we're still paying the same dollar amount. Yeah. All right. I'll go next for the odd podge. Um, as we record this, it's a Friday evening in the Pacific Northwest. Tomorrow, I'm going down to Portland, Oregon, because... Last weekend, Oregon held their grand sessions. They've elected their new slate of officers and their long serving grand secretary, Ron Coons is retiring and they're having a little celebration for Ron. Uh, and he has been such a wonderful, active person. He really did a lot to help benefit odd fellowship in Oregon, uh, working with brother David Shear. Uh, the two of them did a lot to digitize a lot of the operations of the Grand Lodge of Oregon. Ron Coons is a fantastic odd fellow. Uh, and so I'm going to go down and attend his reception uh, tomorrow, celebrating his retirement, and also welcome all the new grand officers in the jurisdiction of Oregon. Because I, I always enjoy, as much as I like to tease 
our brothers and sisters south of the Columbia River. I really like all of them, and I enjoy visiting them. That's fantastic. And he managed to get out of office without having to pass away, which is also <laughs> something that, that we really look forward to with our grand secretary so they can pass the information on to the new person for a couple years as they might need it when something new comes up instead of uh, just being thrown in the deep end and, and digging through some old papers and hoping you figure it out. But uh, where's the challenge in that, Mike? Where? No, well, no, I, I have the fortunate that our previous grand secretary is available and I, I I do avail myself of his expertise from time to time. I try not to bother him too much because uh, if sometimes you need to figure it out yourself to actually learn it and not just, you know, mimic. Um, I guess I'll go next. Why not? Okay. Uh, this evening, I was before the podcast, I was out at the ballpark again, uh, this time with my family. And that family includes a number of members of the lodge that are like family to me. And we went out because tomorrow, while Toby's going to be down in Oregon, uh, well, I'll be at work, but it's my birthday and I'm having my nifty 50. So believe it or not, I'm turning 50 now. That still makes Ooh. me a young member in the Odd Fellows, but uh, in the real world, not quite as, as young as I was, but I can still get around really well. <laughs> no scooters for me yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> but you've got a goal in life, and that's important. That's right. One day <laughs> I will be able to speed around much faster than I can go on my own two legs. I've never been spry as far as a sprinter. But once I can get on one of those jet-powered uh, hover rounds, I can really go flying from place to place. Hey, I think we might be uh, no longer using those in the next uh, 15 <laughs> years if uh, if technology keeps going the same way. Well, I want my jetpack then. Yeah. As long as you got your point of order cane to shake. <laughs> <laughs> well, you really need to be a past grandmaster to do that effectively. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to uh, next month's sessions here in Washington because um, we will actually be getting a new grand musician. I have been... Uh, mentoring what? someone to take that job over from me so that I can just sit at the back of the room with the other past grandmasters and loudly criticize the current grandmaster. <laughs> <laughs> Point of order. The... That's it. That is incorrect. You need to consult with your parliamentarian. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that was a little too much of an in-joke for those of us you who get, attended you sessions. You got to master yes. the, the zooming forward down the aisle while yelling it. It's, <laughs> it's a simultaneous action. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy birthday, brother Mike. We are very excited for your milestone. Happy early birthday to you. Yep. And that leaves you, brother Jonathan. What would you like to share for the Odd Podge? I really don't have anything at this moment. I mean, uh, if you're going to be in Reno, I'd like to uh, meet you guys. If uh, you ever if you ever wander ever so slightly off the beaten path. Well, it's not too far off the beaten path. Your your lodge hall is just off of Interstate 80, right? Yes, it still is. See, it's, it's close. It's close to the beaten path. It is. It's close. It's just a little bit awkward. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode and for reaching out to us to tell us 
about the new lodge and the stuff that's going on in Nevada. I would love to see both other jurisdictions uh, who are appointing someone to do some social media and promotion like what you're doing, and also other people to reach out to us and tell us about what's going on, because we are always happy to tell the stories of Odd Fellowship. And speaking of the stories, we've got a really exciting one coming up for our next episode. Now, Brother Ainsley, do you remember, uh, I think it was back in February, when we did the episode that got more response than any other? Yes, it was. Uh, was it one of our impromptu episodes that we had to kind of switcheroo to do? And we yeah. were talking about. We had um, a last minute cancellation. Yeah. And so we went to our show sheet and said, aha, let's talk about that one tonight. Yes. And it was about. Uh, was was about the kitchen table lodges kitchen and, table lodges and how to get out of that rut of get out of the kitchen and back into the big room that's right and we have a success story to share yes we do our our next episode is uh, R- uh Ryan Drink from Vermont and i guess it sounds like he was successfully able to get his lodge out of the kitchen and back into the big room that's right, Brother Ryan Frank from Queen City Lodge Number 1 in Burlington, Vermont, uh, and some of the other members of the lodge are going to be joining us, and they're going to talk about that process, because I know uh, we get emails on a pretty regular basis from lodges around the country, usually from younger members saying, hey, I joined this, I really want it to be what Odd Fellowship claims to be but it's not. How can I make my lodge be more what I want it to be and really be a true Odd Fellows Lodge? And so they're going to be joining us from Queen City Lodge number one to talk about that process and how they made it happen. Hopefully this will inspire uh, more lodges out there and more members to be able to get active and do some great work. So on behalf of all of us here at the Three Links Oddcast, we'd like to thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.